to Research Radio, Episode 12. The Research Radio series brings evidence-informed child welfare research to life through interviews with leading researchers. Today we speak with Dr. Tom Packard, professor at San Diego State University, about his research on organizational change tactics in human service organizations. I'm your host, Julia Wadale. My name is Tom Packard, and I teach in the School of Social Work at San Diego State. I'm a professor there, and part of my work, in addition to my teaching and research, is with an affiliate of the School of Social Work, the Academy for Professional Excellence, which does a lot of training and consultation for county human service agencies, mainly in Southern California. If you could briefly describe the research that you'll be speaking about during the interview... Perhaps we can start with a description of your upcoming publication. Feel free to draw, of course, from your conference presentation if you feel it will be helpful to our practitioners. I'll be talking uh, most specifically on an article that's in press. I think it's actually due to come out, at least in the online version, uh, later this month. And the title of the article is Organizational Chain Tactics, the Evidence Base in the Literature and it's going to be published in the Journal of Evidence-Based Social Work, and my co-author on that is Amber Shi, S-H-I-H. And uh, part of the discussion might also evolve into a couple of conference presentations. I've done kind of related to this article on, on the research on the evidence base has been with a, a questionnaire to measure organizational change tactics, and uh, we presented uh, some results on that at uh, the uh, conference of the Network for Social Work Management in Boston last summer, and that looked at the use of organizational change tactics in successful and in unsuccessful change interventions. And then I'll be presenting with a couple of other people uh, a paper on organizational change tactics in a uh, effort to improve child welfare programs in 13 counties, and that's going to be at the uh, Society for Social Work and Research Conference in January, so I might talk about that because that elaborates upon the main uh, article that I think we'll be talking about. If you could identify some key findings from the research? There's a lot of writing about organizational change, and I found by studying that uh, a lot of it is uh, what people call the guru literature or management by bestseller, and a lot of those are in the business sector, and it would be typically a consultant or uh, an executive. A lot of these are in the for-profit field, but uh, sometimes in not-for-profit management or public administration. and. When they even mention the evidence base, they usually say, well, in our 20 years of experience, this is what we found. As uh, evidence-based practice became more and more prominent in social work, I've, I've been paying more attention to when people write about organizational change, what the evidence base really is. So um, I wanted to learn more about the evidence base in the current literature. The other part of the literature on organizational change, there are a couple of professional journals that are specifically related to this, and a lot of their articles 
use better research methods, but they usually only study a limited number of variables. They might look at organizational climate or resistance or readiness or leadership, and those are all really important and relevant. There's really very little that gets at organizational change tactics, the things that people actually do as change leaders in an organization to create change. And uh, another thing I found just in our preliminary look at the literature is that most, when people talk about organizational change, they talk about successful change. And there are rarely uh, descriptions of unsuccessful organizational change. What we did, actually, um, I'd probably better back up and talk about our methods. And that was kind of my background thinking. And I wanted to see in more detail what the literature said about this. What we did was a survey of the literature, and we based it uh, really on two kind of bodies of literature. One was based on an article by Fernandez and Rainey that was published in the Public Administration Review in 2006. And that was a really good article because they did a study of the literature and organizational change and uh, grouped the, the themes that they found into some major categories that what we would call uh, practice principles. And um, I was curious about what the evidence base was for a lot of those um, agents, uh, the sources that they used, mostly books and then some journal articles. Uh, and then the other um, source of data that we used was the human services literature. and. We use the same method to analyze, do a content analysis of the literature on organizational change in human service organizations. And we took the time period, kind of around the time the Fernandez and Rainey came, article came out, we used the social services abstracts and Google Scholar looking at the time period from 2005 to 2011. And uh, we used the keyword of organizational change, and then we looked at uh, all of the articles that popped up and uh, narrowed them down to be able to look specifically at uh, how many of the organizational change tactics that mainly came from the Fernandez and Rainey Review um, were actually used in any of these studies on uh, organizational change. So we uh, did the analysis of putting all of that together, and we found that there we had come up with, um, based on the Fernandez-Rainey article and just my other analysis of the literature, we uh, refined the Fernandez and Rainey list of tactics, and we took that list of um, 22 tactics, and we looked at how often those were mentioned in articles on organizational change. And then we also gathered data on the, the evidence base of those articles, if it was based on a literature review or single case studies or multiple case studies. Or uh, really, a lot of them were based on author's authority as either a consultant or a researcher or a teacher. And we, uh, we found that there was a, quite a range of the extent to which these articles actually mentioned organizational change tactics. And just as a couple of examples, the literature suggested that uh, one of the tactics that should be used for successful organizational change is 
top management showing support and commitment, including a skilled senior leader or group to champion the cause of change. And that was the one that was mentioned in most of the articles, 66% of the articles in the Fernandez and Rainey literature review, and then 59% in ours. The second most commonly mentioned was uh, tactic was the organization provided sufficient resources, staff time, and necessary funding for the change effort. And that one was mentioned in 61% of the Fernandez and Rainey articles, and then 46% of the one in human service organizations. And uh, I won't go through the whole thing. I'll just mention the third one, that there was a clear and specific plan for how the change initiative would be implemented mentioned 59% uh, in, of the articles and books in the Fernandez and Rainey review and then 38% in our. One conclusion was uh, organizational change tactics really aren't talked about a lot in the literature, so I think that's an area that really uh, warrants more study. We did find uh, just kind of Looking through all of those articles and in my own other works, I think another, uh, I guess the key findings would be there's really so far not a strong evidence base for the use of successful organizational change tactics because a lot of it is more, like I said, the, you know, um, experts just talking about what they did or individual case studies. They talk about organizational change efforts in a way that it's kind of hard to generalize uh, to practice principles that can be used by others. I, I must say, just as a sidelight, that I looked at part brochure on organizational change, and I thought that was really uh, quite a bit better than most of the work I've seen because did a really good job of drawing from the literature, uh, using some of the good literature on this, and then also organizing it and boiling it down into practice principles that uh, people can be used. So I think that that kind of work is encouraging in terms of developing an evidence base and putting it in terms of practice principles that people can actually use. I think another finding that I would pull out of this is that it is hard to do organizational change research uh, with stronger evidence. This isn't like a, like a treatment method or something where you can use control groups. And so far, there aren't really standardized instruments for measuring organizational change tactics. There are instruments to measure things like readiness for change and capacity for change and organizational culture and climate and leadership, and those are all really important. The work that I'm doing is um, intended to answer the question that a change leader can use, either an agency executive or a middle manager, and, and I'll eventually get to how even line workers can use some of this. Like, if we have to implement an organizational change, you know, what do I actually do to do it? So uh, that's where my interest in organizational change tactics came up. And out of this research, I developed an instrument called the Organizational Change Tactics Questionnaire, and that's a tool that's based on the 22 tactics that we found in our literature. And we've used that in a few settings, a couple of case studies that I can talk about, and with some students and with some managers that we've worked with in a leadership development program over the last 10 years, and then the study of uh, 13 child welfare counties in one state all used that instrument. So just kind of recognizing that so far, 
it's a difficult area to study really precisely other than through really intensive case studies. Another factor is that it's hard to measure success with organizational change. Defining success is difficult in the, you know, the complex work that human service organizations do. Sometimes it's a little easier than others, like implementing a new practice model. Uh, that can be a change initiative, and the change goal could be to implement the model. And there would be ways of looking at uh, how you define the model and what full implementation looks like, and that could be studied uh, even in a pretest, uh, post-test way. Um, but then tying that to organizational outcomes, I think, is another uh, kind of challenging step to look at, in the case of child welfare, how you're measuring like the impact of the change of implementing a new practice model and how that results in changes to client outcomes, you know, safety or in public child welfare, permanency, well-being, those are the terms that, uh, you know, people in the United States for sure are really uh, familiar with. So it's just hard to do that kind of research and then uh, look at the extent to which an organizational change effort and the new practice model really impacted those change in outcomes. Another thing that we found in the other research, those two uh, conference presentations that I talked about, is that there are varying perspectives about if an organizational change effort is successful. And uh, we found actually in a couple of studies that where we asked people that observed or were part of an organizational change effort to rate the degree to which that organizational change process was successful, and we found that the people that had the higher level positions in the organization were more likely to say it was successful or more successful than people at lower levels, and also people that were more involved in the change effort were more likely to see it as more successful. That may not be a surprising finding. Like if somebody we asked respondents um, what their role was. Were they a member of a committee or a task force? And how many meetings did they go to on the change effort? And people that went to more meetings saw a greater use of the tactics and concluded that the effort was more successful. And it's probably not surprising that people that were more involved and the people that are, were at higher levels are more likely to be more involved would see the use of tactics because they would have been more involved in it than, say, an average worker that might not have been part of any uh, change activities. Would an example of uh, one of the tactics have to do with a communication plan in relationship to that, or what type of tactic could you use to influence that outcome? One of the items on the questionnaire is um, the vision and the outcomes for the change were clearly communicated. And because that's the literature says, you know, that you should do that. And so we asked people in the organizational change tax questionnaire to what extent they saw that. The people that were at higher levels and the people that were more involved said they observed that more. And so I think that kind of an implication for that, for change leaders, especially for upper managers, is you know, their tendency might be to think, well, the outcomes and the vision are really very clear, but people at lower levels um, may not have gotten that level of clarity. I know in the part uh, brochure, they 
the writers of that used John Cotter's model, which is one that's used by really a lot of people. And uh, he kind of popularized the phrase that you cannot over-communicate and that the change leaders tend to underestimate the amount of effort that it takes to really communicate things. So that would be one example. There other examples. Another tactic is there was a specific and clear plan for how the change initiative would be implemented. And the literature said that that was more commonly used in the French and Rainey literature, and it was less commonly even referred to in the human service organization literature. So kind of what we got from that is that this broader literature said that should be done so that in the human services we should, when we're doing change management, change leadership, we should make sure that people are clear on what the uh, plan for doing it is. That's another example that was seen less often by people that were at lower levels in the organization or that weren't as involved with it. It is right in line with what we've been talking about this week in terms of communication and readiness for change. We do talk a lot about using evidence and practice at the individual level as well as at the organizational level. In relation to that, how do you think that child welfare practitioners, regardless of their level, so intake or supervisor or director's level, can benefit from the understandings you're getting about organizational change here in your research? That's an important question because I think it's the messages are kind of the, the learning and the knowledge that's emerging is there, but I think the way to present it to people that are at more at the executive level is that, you know, they're going to be in charge of something. And I think this is pretty common, like, if provinces have to implement a new practice model, let's say the, uh, or the province tells the counties, I forget what the local organizations are called in Canada, but uh, if a province or a county agency says this model has to be implemented, if a top-level executive either is told that by policymakers they have to make a change, implement a new practice model, or move to uh, using more evidence-based procedures or shifting more to measuring outcomes rather than outputs or changing organizational culture or something like that. Uh, if they're up at the top, obviously they have uh, a lot more uh, formal authority and resources to, to uh, you know, provide the direction and provide the support. And really a lot of the tactics have to do with to really be effective, you should involve all levels of staff in the change effort. So I think that would be one message to people at the top to um, really get them to pay serious attention to looking at how the change in effort initiative is being seen by people throughout the organization and you know, allowing for their involvement and their input and communication. I think people at middle and lower levels have a different kind of a challenge. And actually, there's a small literature on sometimes it's called change from below or staff-initiated organizational change. And there, that's been researched and written about a lot less than this kind of um, broad, upper, directed administrative change. But I think people at lower levels, if they're in an organization that's opening, open to having lower-level employees give input, then maybe lower-level employees can say, hey, you know, there is this research that's saying if you're going to do an organizational change, you should set up a change management structure and set up a steering committee or set up task groups, things like that. And if their organizational leadership is not doing it that way, they can, as much as they're 
middle managers and upper managers are open to hearing that to, to, to take that kind of input so that lower level staff can make suggestions on what the change process should be. And then obviously they have a lot of expertise if it's something like implementing a new practice model. There might be an outside model that has a strong evidence base that an agency wants to implement. And uh, it's a job for the uh, agency leadership to say, we've looked at all of this and we really think this is going to help. But then to create as part of the change process some ways to have structured dialogue about maybe even looking at is this really the best model to use. But if it's going to be used, to have some dialogue about what the process is going to be for how the implementation is going to occur. In terms of using research at the individual level, building practitioners' confidence in assessing a research study so they feel confident to bring that forward in supervision and say, this is what the research is saying about organizational change, but I don't see this as much in our agencies. I think that uh, really a lot of it depends on the leadership style of uh, agency at the executive level. And we, you know, we work with our students to, I think in most schools of social work, the students are really being socialized about the importance of using evidence. And I think some of them are getting internships in agencies that maybe aren't that advanced in that field. Sometimes newly graduated social workers go in to an agency that might have been in existence for a long time, but you know, has people that were educated before evidence-based practice was really that common. So I think that can be another opportunity for change is to get an agency to kind of change its organizational culture in terms of the way it looks at learning. And, you know, we would hope that upper-level administrators would be open to that. They might think, well, I got out of graduate school 20 years ago, and I'm trying to keep up on doing things in the, the best way, and I'm open to hearing from other people, our newer employees or our middle managers, on um, you know opportunities for improving the way we operate. So I think that uh, organizational culture change can be a change initiative of itself. And actually, there's been a lot of work on that. Mike Austin and some of his colleagues at University of California, Berkeley, they've written a lot about creating uh, learning organizations and how organizational change can help with that. This work is so relevant to our practitioners. We can't thank you enough for your, your time on this. I was wondering if you'd like to comment at all before we close about any future research plans. I know the publication that's coming out now provides a very thorough but preliminary look at organizational change key finding so far is just that even though there's not a strong evidence base so far, there is a lot of promising practice evidence that people can use, the work at Cotter that I mentioned and, and others. So I really want to go forward with uh, more extensive use of this organizational change tactics questionnaire. I'm working with some colleagues on validating the instrument and really the next steps for me and the colleagues that I've worked with with the uh, county uh, child welfare practice model is turning those into journal articles. I've done a couple of studies uh, here in San Diego, one with a homeless shelter and one with a uh, youth agency, and those we need to turn into journal articles. But another way I want to go with this is to use the organizational change tactics questionnaire and administer it to uh, people not in one organization, but just broad groups like members of a professional association or something like that, where I'm hoping to do it uh, here with our network for social work 
management and the questionnaire enables them to pick two organizational change activities that they've been part of, one that was successful and an equivalent one that was unsuccessful. And we've used that instrument with participants in a leadership development program and some of my social work administration students, and we're finding that there are differences. So I want to replicate that research with broader populations to get people to be specific in saying in a successful organizational change effort, I saw these things, and in the unsuccessful one, I saw these things, but asking them about the same tactics, and then look at the differences in the use of tactics in the successful and unsuccessful change efforts. And then the other thing I'm hoping to do with that is to whenever we're studying the use of organizational change tactics to try to get uh, good outcome measures. Did the change process get implemented? Did the change goals get met? And then ideally gather data on how that affected client outcomes or maybe other factors like changes in organizational culture or job satisfaction or something. But ideally, I think we, I hope we can get to the point where we can study organizational change and look at the impact that it actually had on practice and outcomes. We continue to give that message to our practitioners as well that the whole point of using research and this whole point of your organizational change is to influence outcomes. You have been listening to Research Radio, Episode 12, Conversation with Dr. Tom Packard. Research Radio is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about this episode's topic, Research Radio, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.parkcanada.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Part EIP. That's P-A-R-T-E-I-P. Thanks for listening.